Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's interview with Aaron Meary, CIO at Dell Medical School and UT Health Austin. In this segment, Meary talks about why this particular opportunity was one he couldn't pass up, how it's both similar and different from previous CIO roles he has held, and his team's ambitious plans when it comes to transitioning to value-based care. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. Okay, so first off, congratulations on the relatively new role as a CIO at Dell Medical School at University of Texas at Austin. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Sure. So I think the best place to start, especially in this case, is with some information about the organization. Can you provide an overview and get into kind of how that's structured as well? Yeah, happy to. Uh, Dell Medical School is the newest medical school in Texas. Uh, Over 100 years, uh, they have been trying to bring a medical school to Austin, Texas. In about 2015 time frame, the school uh, opened up its doors, and uh, we should be graduating our first class of students next year. With the school came a health practice, so the UT Health Austin practice, which is a multidisciplinary ambulatory practice, everything from oncology to musculoskeletal, which is orthopedics, over to women's health, all sorts of different practices. And in essence, we partnered with the Ascension Health System, uh, with the Seton Ministry specifically, to leverage their acute care hospital so that they're almost the teaching hospital for all of our faculty and our GME program and physicians. And so not only do we do adult, we also do pediatrics. So there's the Dell Children's Campus with pediatrics, and again, a close partnership with the Ascension System with that. And it's a symbiotic relationship that has seen the practice grow tremendously. What Austin, Texas, and I can tell you in my past, coming from Dallas and then most recently being in Boston, I always assumed on the outside looking in that Austin was a very mature market like those two. But in fact, Austin is one of those up-and-coming, growing, and bursting at the seams markets that Mm. they really needed an academic medical center in this area Mm. to bring the next generation of research and functional understanding uh, to the market. So now our research arm is growing fantastically well. We're bringing in a lot of very well-known folks across the country here. As you know, Karen DeSalvo is on our staff. We have Elizabeth Teisberg is here. Dr. Martin Harris, who was at Cleveland Clinic for 20 years, is here. You have these folks that, quite honestly, when I looked at the slate of who teaches here, who works here, who is building the next generation health system and medical school, I couldn't say no to. Uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems to be a really interesting time for this because of what we're seeing with some of the, the medical school curriculums or at least the, the goals to try to make sure that it's really reflecting where the industry is going. Yeah, that's the other dynamic that I really appreciate here is I get the best of both worlds. I get to interact with the traditional 
phenomenal physicians, folks like uh, Dr. Charles Frazier and his group, you know, some of the leading pediatric cardiology surgeons uh, in the country, all the way over to the brand new year one medical student who has a glimmer in their eye and wants uh, healthcare to become like Star Trek. So how do we provide an environment where we're leveraging augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, leveraging the latest tools and machine learning to their fingertips so that they learn on a platform that will be mainstream by the time they finish their residency and are entering practice themselves, and that's become mainstream. So it's a, it's a cadence of understanding where the market is going, and in some cases partnering with the large partners out there to build the next generation, and then teach that to your students and work with your existing physicians in making sure they're able to deliver optimum care. Right. Oh, really interesting. As far as the structure, Dell Medical School, that's part of UT Austin, yes. or UT Austin Health? Yeah, so when I say Dell Medical School, it's not just the academic part. We say DMS, Dell Medical School, for the entire health enterprise of University of Texas at Austin. So the entire medical district essentially from our UT Health Austin practice to the actual medical school itself to our very robust research arm, all under the umbrella of DMS, which is all part of the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. So as CIO, what are really the, the roles and responsibilities that, that fall under that, and is that similar to what you've had in previous roles? It is and it isn't. So what it is is obviously healthcare delivery. So at CIO over healthcare delivery, obviously there's an electronic medical record, there's patient care, there's all the tools, there's all the modalities, there's all the interfaces, there's data interoperability, there's all of the nuances that as you're seeing 40,000, 50,000 patients come through, you're going to be dealing with and, and growing. There's the medical school component, which personally, I never had the, the actual curriculum component before in my career, which is very appealing to learn the academia world. A case in point, we're one of the few medical schools that allow EMR access to your students. Most medical schools are still teaching on traditional paper. So how do we bring even more robust tools, leveraging, again, augmented reality and simulation labs and whatnot to be side-by-side side while they're doing actual cadaver work, those kinds of things. Then there's the research component, which I have had in my past, really looking for new therapies. How do we enable our researchers that are looking for uh, how to cure Alzheimer's or get in front of, get in front of dementia and all these, other deme- all these other angles, how do we help them? achieve those goals, right? So there's all three verticals which academic medicine can allow you to experience. And to do that at a university typically means you go into a place that's very well established, places like Harvard or places like Stanford or others who have been around and have these processes and things in place and you're able to really get the ball going. For a place like University of Texas, which is an R1 university, world-renowned to start a medical academic healthcare program is unheard of. And so for me, the opportunity was just one I could not pass down, which is, Aaron, help us, enable us to take this to the next level and grow this, which is only a couple of years old, and make it something that's world-class. You couldn't ask yeah. for a better opportunity for somebody with my background where I've gone from adults to pediatrics to uh, building product and now here putting it all together. It's an immense opportunity. Right. Yeah, it is. And when you hear that curriculum is the way it is still in most medical schools across the country, it's surprising. But as we know, these things don't change overnight. 
They don't. And, and I tell you, I love interacting with faculty because they're always eager to hear about the new things on the horizon, and they ask the question, well, how can we get there? And what's also interesting about academia side of things is how the other colleges interact with you, like the College of Nursing or the College of Pharmacy or the College of Social Work. Because remember, a medical school isn't just, you're not just training your med students. You're also working together with the other schools as they bring their students together, and then they have practicum experience. Case in point, College of Nursing here at UT sends some of their more senior-level nursing students to get practicum hours in our clinics. So how do we make sure that their curriculum transfers, that they are getting the experience they need, and then taking that back to their peers to teach them? The other unique thing about the health practice side, the UT Health Austin practice side of it, which then ties back to academia, is we are all in on value-based care. So recently there was an article in the New England Journal of Medicine about the fact that we don't have waiting rooms. None of our clinics have waiting rooms. Think about that for a second when I tell you that we built a state-of-the-art multidisciplinary practice with no waiting rooms. Now, from an IT side, take a half step back and think about the conversations I had to have with all of the healthcare vendors saying, I know you programmed your software to deal with rating rooms. We don't have that, so let's figure it out. It was definitely unique in that they've never really encountered that before where a major institution put their money where their mouth is and built this beautiful state-of-the-art facility with no waiting rooms, right? That means your, your patient registration, everything all the way through being seen and done has to be spot on. And it is something of a constant partnership with the vendors to make sure they can keep up uh, with the pace of it. Right. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. Like you said, it's putting your money where your mouth is, but I imagine it does present some challenges, one of them being that you know, maybe you do have to have more conversations with vendors about how this works. You do. But what's interesting is that What I always tell vendors that we work with that don't quite understand that concept up front, again, because they're very used to traditional facilities, which I came from in the past, is come visit, see what's going on, and understand why it's so important that our processes are mapped out, that we clearly understand what does the workflow look like. And at the end of the day, as we've always said in health IT, it comes back to the workflow. I tell Mm -hmm. people all the time, take the technology out of it, put it on paper, what would you do? How would you handle it? Then build the tech on top of that process and that workflow. So a lot of times we're just having to design new workflow or modify existing workflow the vendor maybe hasn't considered to say this is how it's working in practice. And here's another example. Our managed care contracts are all value-based. So we do not do a lot of fee-for-service. We do a lot with our payers that are all value-based. So we look at patient-reported outcomes. We look at things that industry is just now beginning to, to realize And we tether that back, those learnings and those teachings in the real world, back into our healthcare programs, our master's program with our Value Institute and say, this is what the textbook says. This is what we've learned in real world. Here's where rubber meets the road. Here's how you really got to go about it. And this is what the payers are learning from us. So even with the payer community we partner with, they're learning from us saying, wow, here you are. You're seeing tens of thousands of patients. What have you learned? And how does that inform us as we work with the rest of the healthcare community? So back to the roots of what UT is all about, which is blazing the trail forward and saying, let's do it different and try to teach the rest of the world what we learn here. Right. It's a really interesting and forward-thinking idea, but it it makes so much sense at its core that you're taking away this option that everybody has to adjust to this new way of doing things, this new model of care. 
Exactly. And here's the other wonderful dynamic about this medical school and what UT got in the business of this. In the very onset, it was how do we take care of our indigent care in Travis County and the city of Austin? And the city of Austin has has struggled for some time with needing additional mental health services here, needing help for the homeless and disenfranchised, really helping the rural parts of Texas. From Austin, if you drive 60 miles in either east or west, you're in the rural part of Texas where they don't have ready access to facilities. And Austin is not like a Dallas or Houston where it sprawls on for miles and miles. You know, the joke, you can drive two hours in Houston and still be in Houston. That's not the case in Austin. So how do we take care of those parts of the state, that central part of Texas, that traditionally haven't had access to specialists that an academic medical center can provide? So it's all these dynamics in that we absolutely focus on the indigent care. Uh, We partner with the safety net clinics here in the area to help them with their indigent care, whether it's from psychiatric services across the entire stack. We definitely focus on that. Last year alone, over 10,000 patients were paid for by public programs that we assisted, right? 10,000 people. You know, there was almost 600,000 hours worked by physicians at 60 clinics and hospitals that helped take care of, again, with our primary focus of indigent care. So at the end of the day, UT not only built this next generation facility and is really growing the next generation of academic medical student, they're actually going to the community and saying, we're also going to provide care, world-class care to the indigent population. That hits on every dimension that I stand for, which is how do we give back and really make a difference. Right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.